Well, grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And man, do we need to hear some grace and mercy and peace after that Old Testament reading from Genesis. Am I right? I mean, I warned you guys at the beginning of service, right, that this one was going to be a doozy. And each time I hear it and read it, it still is. It's no wonder that uh, Pastor Aaron packed up his family and headed west. No, I'm just kidding. Pastor Aaron had his vacation planned long before we knew this text would come up. But still, I'm left here in the rubble of this mess of an episode. And I keep coming back again and again thinking, what do you do with a story like this? This black spot in our storyline of Genesis. I wish I could just gloss over it, you know, pretend like we didn't hear it, that it didn't happen. But there it is. We're going to dive into this story this morning and and make some sense of it and and see what God has uh, to teach us. Uh, But first, let's go ahead and get situated into the the larger storyline of where we are. Uh, Remember how in the chapters just before what we heard today, uh, Jacob, the father, had resolved a number of conflicts. Uh, We heard last week how Pastor Aaron shared that Jacob was fleeing a conflict with his uncle and father-in-law, Laban, and fearing a conflict with his brother, Esau. And then right smack dab in the middle of that, he has his own conflict with God himself, who comes to meet him. And God helps bring a resolution to these conflicts. Jacob and Laban make peace. Jacob and Esau make amends with one another. Everything is finally Settled. Jacob even takes his family and settles them in the land of Cana, the promised land. Finally, it feels like everything is at peace, settled, done. But we're all probably a, a bit too familiar with how life goes to trust that, that it's all done. And so we jump into our story for this week in the midst of this, this calm. Dinah is Jacob's daughter, his only daughter. And she's in a new land, in a new home. She wants to explore it, to get acquainted with it, so she ventures out from the house, starts to meet her new neighbors, get acclimated with this different society, and just when she least expects it, tragedy strikes. She's taken seized by a powerful foreigner, Shechem, the son of the tribal chief, no less. Now, Dinah knows what has happened to her is a scandal. I mean, this kind of thing is unspeakable with her people. It's an outrageous thing in Israel, the text says. Her reputation with her family be shattered. But she never intended for this to happen, right? She's a victim. What do I do now, she wonders. What's my father going to think about me? 
now? What will my brothers say? She's a mess, humiliated. And like anyone who has ever experienced the kind of shame that goes along with, with something that you've done or had done to you, the rest of the story, Dinah goes silent, as if she's unable to even speak of what's happened. And Jacob, when he hears, he's silent too. He can't find the words to speak to the tragedy. He's reeling from what's gone on. He, he just had all these conflicts that finally got settled, and then now this disaster strikes. But Jacob is her father, her guardian. He should have spoken up for her, defended her honor, at least made Shechem account for what he had done. But he can't find the words to speak. And even at the end, it seems like he's just concerned about what's going to happen to him. And so it's Dinah's brothers, Simeon and Levi, who answer when Shechem's father comes. Now Shechem, initially, at the beginning of this story, he acted reprehensibly. I mean, his actions were vile even by Canaanite standards. But after that decision, that first act, his disposition does change. It says that he actually delighted in Dinah, and he shows commitment to her by desiring to marry her. And so he sends his father to go to the family, and his father says, Jacob, family, my son is in love with Dinah. You know, let me make this right. Name any price, and I will pay it. And we can live peaceably in the land together. Simeon and Levi, fire of their hearts burning, the anger inside, hatred boiling up, but with a cool facade, they respond, oh yeah, we'll live peacefully with you. Just do one thing. Become like us. Circumcise yourselves. And they do. Shechem, his father, the entire village listens to Simeon and Levi. But Simeon and Levi have just used God's promise, the covenant of circumcision, as a ploy to take revenge on the people who have hurt them. Remember God's promise, this covenant of circumcision. God gave this to Abraham as a sacred ritual, a marker, or symbol, that all the people who would go about this ritual would be a part of God's family. This is the sign that they're in God's kingdom. But Simeon and Levi treat it like it's nothing. How could they do such a thing? This is an outrageous thing. Well, clearly, they've forgotten God's promise. How God had spoken to their father, Jacob, and said that Jacob's lineage would be a blessing to all of the families of earth. Where is that now? Simeon and Levi have lost sight of God's promise and instead choose to pay evil with evil, seizing the village because of the hurt that they have over their sister. 
But perhaps the most troubling thing in this entire chapter is the silence. God's silence. Where is God in the midst of this tragedy? Why isn't he intervening? How, how could he stay silent through all of this? This tragedy. Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, we too live in a world of tragedy. I'm sure you don't have to dig deep to think about things of your own life that are hard to speak to dark moments that have happened. And think just about our own nation over the last few months. I mean, it's been one thing after another. Sometimes it feels like nothing is settled. Nothing is secure. All of the things we thought about health, about education, economics, racism, all of these things are being challenged And in just the span of a few months, everything seems to have blown up. The responses to these tragedies have been, well, across the spectrum. There have been some who have been hurt by these things and responded in anger, spurring on others to more anger and dissension. Some of us have just found a hard time finding the words to say, not sure what to say or how to say it, we, we've been silent. And still others of us have just wanted to kind of forget the whole thing, pretend like what's going on out there isn't affecting us, as if it didn't happen. But all of us are trying to make sense of the rubble and wondering if things can get put back the way they were. And in the midst of these tragedies, we wonder, Where is God? It's easy to lose sight of God's promise. But just because God is silent, it doesn't mean that He isn't acting and acting even on our behalf. God is not afraid of tragedies and destruction. These are the kinds of things he draws near to and even uses for his glory. This is how the prophets from generation to generation speak about God, the way he acts. God goes to places of rubble and he builds. God plants where the earth is desolate and brings rivers and streams to dry in arid places. This is God's way to bring life out of death and to even use the brokenness of humanity to teach future generations how to walk in His footsteps. So what do we learn? Simeon and Levi, they use their faith as a pretense to excuse their actions. They harbor hatred in their heart and, and brought about destruction. What anger have we been holding on to? Who is it in our circles 
who genuinely needs to experience the grace of God. Even if they've given us cause to be angry with them or, or have a viewpoint that's so far from ours. Who needs to hear that word of love from God? Jacob, he should have protected his daughter, spoken up for her. Who in our community isn't having their voice heard? Who needs an advocate for for us to come alongside them and speak up for the defenseless? How can we be a community like that for the people around us? People suffering, like Dinah. It's impossible not to think of her in this story and feel sorry for her. Such a tragic story. And yet maybe you have a story or two like that in your life. A story that that makes you empathize and sympathize with Dinah because of of some scandal that you've experienced. You've been hurt or humiliated. Experienced the harshness of this world and and have this, this black mark in your life that torments you over and over. Where you wonder, where are you, God? Why are you silent? Why aren't you speaking into my life? And our guilt can even take up its own voice and question, what could God do with a story like yours anyway? Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, I'm here to speak on God's behalf to you. God speaks to you today and he says that you, you are forgiven. All of the mess of your life, those dark spots from your life have been washed away, washed clean. You are new in my eyes and I will use you in my plan of restoration for the world. You are my chosen people. And I love you. God says that to you this morning. You know how we can trust that? Because of God's silence. Because of that silence of God that Jesus endured for us when he was on the cross. Jesus endured God's silence for us so that our salvation could be secured forever in spite of all the things that have happened to us, in spite of all the calamities that we've seen or been a part of, Jesus endured God's silence so that you could hear God's voice of forgiveness to you, for you. It's done. God's forgiveness for you is settled. We find it hard to trust that in the midst of tragedy and silence. But you know what? God spoke again. In the very next chapter, God speaks his presence to Jacob and to Jacob's family. In spite of all that's gone on, God still comes to them and says, I'm with you. I'm going to protect you and walk with you 
and use you still to bring about the birth of my own son, my perfect son, Jesus. And after Jesus bore that silence for us, God spoke again on that resurrection morning. God spoke through two angel messengers on his behalf to bring good news to the followers of Jesus, struggling and grieving in that tragic moment. And God speaks to you today. It's my prayer that you hear his voice of forgiveness for you, even for those dark moments. You are forgiven. And then my prayer is that you would be alive in that forgiveness of Christ and spurred on to forgive others, even those who have hurt us, even when the world casts a dark shadow on us to walk in forgiveness and newness of life. Remember the promise. Remember your reality. You are new, clean, forgiven, and alive. God has washed away all the scandal of our lives in the blood of Jesus. In His name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, may it guard our hearts and minds in the one true faith of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.